Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jordan. I'm one of your pastors here at Christ Covenant Church, and I have the privilege of preaching the sermon, as most assistant pastors do, between Christmas and New Year's. This is Assistant Pastor Sunday. And the reason for that is that the senior pastors, as ours does, takes this time of the year to really prepare the, the series and the sermons for the next upcoming 2019. So I've preached this this, uh, this Sunday before, and it's all over the world. It's a popular Sunday to preach about New Year's resolutions, right? Because the New Year's coming up, and it's good to assess our previous year and to desire to make changes in the next year. We want to look at our health and our finances and our relationships, and you say, you know what? I'm going to do better at this. I'm going to do better at that. I'm going to hit the gym on January 1st, and yeah, me neither, but... These are, these are things that we assess in our life. And so as I was searching through scripture, um, thinking about my own resolutions, and I just stumbled upon um, two of my favorite verses found in scripture, um, and it kind of gave me some motivation for a New Year's resolution. So this comes from the book of Romans, and we'll get to there in a second. We'll read this in a second. Let me just kind of talk about what's happening in this letter now, Romans is an epistle, which means it's a letter, and it was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, this is the first of many letters chronologically in your Bible um, that Paul would write, and this is the first, and so uh, it's, it makes sense that it's the first because it really unpacks a lot of the truths that are found in the Old Testament and a lot of the teachings that were coming up as the church was being built in the book right before this, Acts, and so it starts to unpack all these teachings. And Paul begins his letter, as everybody would begin a letter back in the day, by introducing himself. And instead of saying to, to Jordan, you would say, I am Jordan. I am a pastor at Christ Covenant Church. I am a follower of Jesus. I play the drums. You, were introduced, you would introduce yourself so that the reader knew right away who they were reading from. And then Paul goes on to dis, just describe the recipients and who this letter would be receiving. So he says, and I'm writing to you, the church of Rome. So he says, I'm Paul, and I'm writing to you. And I, and I really want to get to see you soon. I've been longing to get there, but I haven't got a chance to get there yet. I just want you to know that I am trying to encourage you guys through this letter. So Paul does all this in the first uh, you know, 13, 14, 15 verses. Now the book of Romans um, is, the, in my opinion, the most theologically packed book in all of Scripture. Just so much theology dripping throughout this book. And the book of Romans is regarded as the foundation of theological teaching. The great theologian John Calvin wrote that Romans is the doorway of the treasure of all of Scripture. So it's a good book to study. I'm glad we're doing it this morning. So now these two verses, 16 and 17, Paul transitions from his his uh, early address, and now he says, this is what my letter is going to be about. So he gives his thesis now. He gives his topic sentence. He gives us his, um, his purpose of this letter. James Boyce, who's a commentator, writes of these two verses that these two may be the most important verses in this letter and perhaps all of literature. And that's coming from a very wise man. He says, these might be the two most important verses that have ever been put on paper. So we got some good stuff to do this morning. Now, um, we're going to split them up. We're going to do 16 today, and then we're going to do 17 next week. Next week. And the reason why these 
verses are so important is because it teaches how God and sinners were reconciled. The greatest miracle that's ever happened. These verses teach how we become right in a right standing with our Creator, with our God. So if you have your Bibles, please open them to Romans chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 16. Hear the word of God. This is Paul speaking. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This finishes the reading of God's word. Now to understand why these verses are so powerful and so important, we really got to understand the context of who Paul's writing to. Paul's writing to the church of Rome. Paul's writing to us. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, these were God's words given to us. And so understanding that, the Holy Spirit's intention, you got to understand the condition of the letter recipient. You and me. And the condition's not good. I'm going to talk about some bad news about you for a few minutes. I hope you don't mind. You are totally depraved. You stink. Apart from the Lord, we are lost, guilty, stinky sinners. That's what the Word of God tells us. I'm sorry. That's me too. Apart from the Lord, we are totally depraved. And if we are left in our sin... If, we, if that's where we're going to stay, in our sin, then we're totally cut off from God's presence. Perfection cannot be with the imperfect. And you've been infected by sin. Now, I don't want to skip over, I don't want to say that word sin too much without making sure that everybody in this room understands what sin is. Sin is anything that displeases the Lord, that is not conforming with the will, with the will of the Lord. And I hate to break it to you, but everybody in this room and everybody who's ever been born has been infected by this disease called sin. Infected. Think of it as a terminal disease, because it is. If it goes uncured, you die. But not just physically, but eternally. Meaning you are separated from God. So you think of it as, in, as a disease. And everybody that's ever been born has been infected with it, including you and me. And apart from, apart from a life-changing miracle through Jesus, you'll die from it. Physically and spiritually. This is bad news. So what can we do to fix it? We got worse news. There's nothing you can do. There is nothing that you can do to fix the problem of sin in your life. There's nothing that somebody that you know could do for you. We're doomed. We're like prisoners on death row left in our sin. But the good news is, while we couldn't do anything about it, and we never could, God did something about it for us. When we were left dead in our sin, in our trespasses, God did something. God intervened. There's nothing you can do to fix your sin apart from God. 
There's no amount of charity or good works you could do. That's what makes these verses so amazingly beautiful. They tell us that while we couldn't do anything to save ourselves, God did something. And the thing that he did was the perfect thing. And the only thing that could rescue us, God provided a divine and perfect righteousness for us, his own righteousness for us, through Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, we have been given his righteousness, which he demonstrated in his obedience, in his pardon for our sins, by taking all of our sins upon his shoulders on the cross, enduring the fullness of God's wrath, which we deserved. He resurrected, securing our victory over sin and death. And what we call all of this, this good news, is the gospel. It is the good news because God did everything for us when we couldn't do anything for him. And we can receive this gospel simply by believing. There's not any righteous work that you can do. There's no way you can try to accumulate enough good works to please God. It's impossible. So it's good news that this gospel is a free gift that's already been accomplished and freely offered to you. Here in verse 16, Paul says he's not ashamed of this gospel because in it is the power of salvation. Now, at first we say, well, duh, of course the apostle Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. He's like the greatest missionary ever. He wrote like the New Testament. Like, what's the point of him saying that? We know he's not ashamed. But if we're honest with ourselves, we know exactly why the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this. Because we need to read it. Because today we need to think about this. As it was in Paul's day, and it is still now, the world is opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that. And that's easy for us to agree with. And even as believers, we're like, yeah, yeah, the world, the world hates us. And it's easy for us to say while we're in here, you know, yeah, the world's opposed to it. But to be honest with you, and I'll just speak personally, and you can um, agree with me or not, I often find myself, myself more in concert with the world than with the Lord. Because it's easier. I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm going to be honest with you. Oftentimes, I find myself more in conflict with the world than with the Lord because it's just easier. Less conflict. No rejection. No judgment. As I read that text, I prayed for the courage and the strength that Paul had. And today, I want to go over some of the truths about this gospel that will hopefully, through the Holy Spirit of God, give us a new confidence in the good news that we have been saved by Christ. First of all, it's just that. We know that the word gospel translate, translates into good news. We know that. We know that the word gospel has powerful meaning, and without Christ, we are lost. Like I said, prisoners on death row, but the good news is God intervened. He reconciled us. This is good news, guys. This is good news. We have been given a resurrection of life. 
And so that's why we call it the gospel, the good news. A commentator writes that in Christ, that Christ reconciled us to himself first by dying for us, burying our sins on his own body on the cross. And then secondly, he reconciled us to others. We are now set free to love as Jesus has loved us. And lastly, he reconciled us to ourselves. Because in Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to become what God has always meant for us to be. This salvation in which Paul is speaking of has delivered us from the guilt, power, and pollution of sin. And this is what separates us from a holy God. But because of this gospel, we have been brought back into communion and back into communication with God, with our Creator. We should not be ashamed because the gospel is good news that tells us of the healing of the sick and the life to the dead. Paul's proud of this gospel and the fact that it had nothing to do with him or mankind. Paul was proud that it was just given by God freely. It was obtained just by God. No human will or righteousness, but just given to us by him. Paul would later write about this to the church of Corinth. He said, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. You see, Paul believes that this salvation is only a thing that can be given by God. That people being saved is only done by the Holy Spirit. And that's good news for me, or for Pastor Brian, or for Pastor Joe, as pastors. That means it's not up to me to save you. <laughs> Thank God. That means that the word of God and the Holy Spirit, the gospel, is what changes hearts, not me. And apart from the gospel, you know what I am? A motivational speaker. Apart from the, <clears throat> apart from the gospel, I have nothing more to say than, let's have a great 2019. You do you. Be all you can be. Let's set some financial goals. Because nothing, I, everything I would say apart from the gospel would be falling on the wayside, the wayside. It's the gospel that changes lives. That's good news. And he, Paul says, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And I wanted to stop on this for a second because I think we need to be uh, careful to look at the words that Paul uses. He says, for it is, talking of the gospel, it is the power of God for salvation. Not, it is the source of the power of God. It is about the power of God for salvation. It will teach you about the power of God for salvation. Paul says, 
The gospel is the power of salvation. That means God's words are the power of salvation. God's words. Where else have we seen power in God's words? Boom, let there be light. God spoke creation into motion. It's his words. And this power is in the gospel itself. That is good news. God does the work, not me. And so Paul is saying that I'm not ashamed to proclaim the gospel because I really don't even play that big of a part in it. It's God who does all the saving and proclaiming through foolish preachers like me. You know, Paul, Paul said he was the sinners of all sinners. If that's the case, I don't know what that makes me. You think I feel worthy to be up here? You think I don't drive on my way here thinking about how unworthy I am to deliver God's message to you today? But thanks be to God that that's not who I am. <laughs> Whose phone is that? <laughs> Indiana Jones, how silly. Anyway, um, but thanks be to God that, I, that I'm reminded through his spirit that God uses the broken. I, I'm broken. I don't know if you guys know that. I know my family knows I'm broken. Paul admits that he's broken. And yet he says, I'm not ashamed because in my brokenness, God has saved me for all of eternity. There's power in the gospel. And right before Jesus ascended into heaven, right, right after his resurrection and he had spent some time with the disciples in Acts, the book right before chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus speaks of this power, and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and there is power in that, and we know what happens. The, Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved by the word of God, by the gospel, and that's what's happening right now all over the world. That as the good news of Jesus is being preached, God is changing hearts. For hundreds of years, the power of the gospel is saving dead sinners and resurrecting them into righteousness. Paul's also not ashamed of the gospel because it's for everyone. He says salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek and just real quick on this, a lot of people might read that as to the Jew above the Greek or to the Jew because they're more important to the Greek. What Paul is doing is he's speaking chronologically as Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman when he said that salvation comes from the Jews. He's talking about salvation comes from me and I came from the Jews. And what Paul's talking about here is salvation is for everyone. That's his point. Salvation to everyone who believes Salvation, he's basically saying salvation could be for the rich or the poor. It could be for the strong or the weak. 
for the sick or the healthy, for the Republican or Democrat. Doesn't matter what nation you're from. If you believe, it's for you. The Bible concludes in Revelation saying, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let anyone who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. It's a constant theme. It's for everyone who believes. Paul is unashamed of the gospel also because it was revealed to him. And this is important for Christianity because every other religion, every other man-made religion, it's, it's, it comes from, from, man, from humans. So there's a lot of self-serving in a lot of religions, saying that if you live this way, then you get this. If you do this, then you'll get this. And it creates this self-righteousness, it creates legalism, it creates all sorts of problems. Christianity doesn't have that problem. Because it was given to us by the Creator. And it says, if you do this, it doesn't matter. If you don't do this, it doesn't matter. Christ has already done it all for you. Yes, we should constantly be seeking to become more like the one who saved us, of course. But Christianity is the only thing that says God has given us His Word and we had nothing to do with it. The Apostle Paul is not ashamed of this gospel. He's boastful in this gospel. This good news has been given to him based on nothing that he has done and has saved him from his sins and the wrath of God. Let's not forget that Paul was a murderer. He knew, what he, he knew how great this gift was, that he could be forgiven. He knows that there's power in the words of God, the same powers that spoke creation into motion, the same power that's working in hearts today, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that is delivering sinners from death right now. He was not ashamed of this power. Now let's talk about the elephant in the room. When we read this, everybody's like, oh, I'm just like Paul. When we read this, we're like, just how many times have I been ashamed of the gospel of Jesus? And it brings up guilt, right? It's not the Holy Spirit, Paul's intention. He's writing this to encourage us. I know if you're like me, you, you feel convicted right now because we're talking about sharing the gospel with people. Paul not being ashamed. I'll just speak personally. Again, you can keep it to yourself whether you're aligned with any of these things. I've been afraid to share the gospel because of rejection from a friend. I've shared this before. The most shameful moment of my life, or one, one of the many shameful moments, but one of them, was I was having dinner with an old friend and we, I was talking about how I was starting seminary. And he looks at me and goes, you're a Christian? He could not believe that I was a Christian. Because nothing in my life reflected it. And I certainly hadn't, hadn't shared the gospel with him. I've been ashamed of the gospel. I had a fear for some, like, a group of 
people. Like maybe it's for you, maybe it's at work, you haven't shared the gospel because you're afraid of rejection of, of a group of people. You don't want to be that Bible thumper. You don't want to be the one that nobody's going to invite to the party because they're scared you're going to be a party pooper. Maybe you're just embarrassed. You're embarrassed because of the stigma that Christians have, and in some groups, rightly so, that we are judgmental, hateful, unaccepting, unrelatable. I mean, I see it on Facebook. Whew. So maybe you're just embarrassed to even say you're a Christian because of, of that aroma we have around us these days. It could be any of these things. So how does Paul freely say that he's not ashamed? I think there's a secret that Paul knows. And I think he reveals it to us here. Keep in mind, Paul, out of everybody I've ever known, has more reason to be ashamed of the gospel than anybody. Listen to Paul's testimony about sharing the gospel real quick. Far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, all because I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul had every reason to be like, forget this. This is ruining my life. But it wasn't. He knows that it's worth it. Because here's the secret. I'll tell you Paul's secret. He reveals it just before this passage. In verse 14. He says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to foolish. So here's the secret. It's in the way that Paul looks at humanity. Because when Paul looks out at humanity, he's saddened. But he has hope that the only thing that could save them is the gospel. Paul looks at humanity differently than we do. Paul looks at the, the homeless man down the street and said, that man needs the gospel. Paul looks at the person that you're totally opposed with and everything that you believe and says, that person needs the gospel. Paul looks at humanity, his fellow image bearers, everybody who's ever been created, and says, they need the gospel. The secret is hating sin and its effects that destroy us and loving the righteousness of Jesus. And that will change the way you think about humanity. Because when you see the effects of sin, you'll despise it. And you'll say, that person needs the love of Christ, the gospel. That's Paul's secret. He looks at unbelievers and he looks at them in sadness, but with hope in the power of Jesus. Paul hates sin, and Paul loves the gospel and the effects of the gospel and desires to shout it from the rooftop that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
You know, I've been in youth ministry for 15 years here. And the coolest thing that I think I've ever seen is young people sharing their faith. Because I know how hard it is as an adult, so when I see young people do it, it's awesome. Yeah, I see just three kids right here that were invited by somebody in the youth group because they're not ashamed of the gospel. Sorry, Joy, I didn't mean to call you a kid. I see three hearts who have been saved because somebody invited them. Your parents aren't members of this church. Watching people unashamed of the gospel and watching how it can change lives is the most amazing thing you can ever see. A few months ago, I sat down at Chili's with my dad and my dad's friend, Gene. And I watched my dad share the gospel and I watched as, he, as Gene cried, and then my dad led him in a prayer of repentance. It's awesome. It was amazing. And that's what Paul wants you to experience. He wants you to shine the light of Christ into your community, into your lives. That's the secret, to despise sin and the toll it has on you and your fellow image bearers and to love the power of the gospel. It has the power to change a sinner to a saint, the sinful to righteous, and the dead to life. How about we be a church who's unashamed of the gospel this year? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your servant, the Apostle Paul, and how you used him, Lord, to bring us this message today. Lord, I pray that you would give us a confidence through your Holy Spirit to share and not be ashamed of your wonderful truth of salvation. Lord, there's people on our hearts right now that we know need to hear the gospel. I pray you would give us the opportunity and the courage and the strength to love them enough to share your beautiful truth of everlasting life. Lord, I pray that even right now, if this gospel has been revealed to us for the first time, that we would come to you right now, that you would forgive us of our sins, Lord, that we would truly place all of our faith in you, Lord Jesus. So we come to you now, rich and poor, weak and strong. We come just as we are, Lord, and we thank you that your arms are wide open. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.